This is easily my favorite time of the year. It's the time of the year when eggnog is back on the shelves in the stores and in my fridge. It's the time of the year in Southern California, at least, where it finally cools off enough to have a fire in the fireplace. And the time of the year where it's finally acceptable to listen to Christmas music again. Now, some of you may disagree on that last point, um, and you've been listening to Christmas music probably since November 1st, like my wife. And I'm totally fine with that as well. Well, today here at Cross Connection Church, um, I'm excited that you guys could join us for the service. We're going to be taking a break from our series uh, that we've been going through in the book of Deuteronomy and taking a break to look at what the scripture has to say about Thanksgiving and praise. So I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving break as you're watching this broadcast. Um, I hope you had a good meal with your family and friends and um, got to be thankful for some of the things that you have in your life. Um, so why don't you go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. It is the largest book of the Bible, so it's pretty hard to miss it. Um, has the most chapters of any other book in the Bible. Psalm 100, and we've got five verses to go through today. Psalm 100 is titled, A Psalm for Giving Thanks, and says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing, and know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name, for the Lord is good, and His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. So why is thanksgiving necessary, or is it? And is gratitude today a lost virtue? We're going to be looking at a couple of these things, but first let's bow our heads and seek the Lord in prayer. Father God, I do pray, as your psalmist says in Psalm 25, Lord, that you would show us your ways, Lord. Teach us your truth. Lead us in your truth, Lord, and teach us. For you alone are the God of our salvation, and for you, Lord, we wait all day long. Father, we love you. We come before you, and I pray that your spirit would speak through me, Lord. May not a word exit my mouth that is not directly from, um, from your heart, Lord. So, Lord, would you translate what I have in my notes, Lord, to be something that would bless those who are hearing, those that are tuning in right now, Lord. Speak into their lives. Show them that you are God, Lord, that, that we are your people. Thank you that you're taking care of us, Lord. We pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, last week, most of us had Thursday off of work because every third Thursday of November um, each year, we celebrate the national holiday of Thanksgiving. And this tradition, we might say, started when the pilgrims and the Indians first had their meal in Massachusetts, but it really wasn't until 1863 when President Abraham Lincoln um, proclaimed a national day of praise and thanksgiving after the horrors of the Battle of Gettysburg was fought in the Civil War. And we really owe somebody else for this national holiday that we celebrate called Thanksgiving. And her name is Sarah Josepha Hale. If you haven't heard of Sarah Josepha, Sarah Josepha Hale, um, she, this, this declaration by Lincoln likely never would have happened if it wasn't for a letter that she had wrote. In fact, she had been working for 36 
hard years, long years, to actually suggest to um, different delegates, different people in politics, presidents, that it was important that our nation, our, our nation celebrates a national day of thanksgiving and praise. Um, so when she finally wrote this letter, she sent it directly to Lincoln. Lincoln got it right after the Battle of Gettysburg, as history tells us, and decides to write this declaration of thanksgiving and praise and d dedicates the third Thursday of um, November as that day for a national day of thanksgiving and praise. And we've been celebrating Thanksgiving every single year annually um, since that first Thanksgiving, really, in 1863, since that declaration. So that's an interesting bit of history there. But just looking at what Sarah Hale did um, and, and what she believed so much, in, you know, why did she believe so much in this that for 36 years she worked to get our nation to celebrate a National Day of Thanksgiving? I thought, man, that's, that is powerful right there that she worked so hard because she, I think she really believed that gratitude was an important part of our politics that gratitude was an important part of our political lives. Political just means public life. It was an important part of public life in our nation that we would together celebrate and give thanks. I do think that gratitude is um, lacking in our country and in our world today. In fact, um, just recently with our high school students, um, I'll give you guys a, a short story as a high school pastor I always try to open up our Wednesday evening services with um, kind of a game or something to get the kids talking. And what I did this last time was I put, of course, a prize had to be on the line and I told them I'm gonna write down a sentence, just a random sentence. And I'm gonna show you guys all at the same time and you have to text me that sentence, see who's the fastest texter in our group. And whoever sends me that text, that, that sentence that I wrote down perfectly without any punctuation or spelling mistakes or anything, any errors, Whoever sends it to me perfectly the fastest will get a prize. So I did that a few times with them. We had a really great time, laughed a lot. But then I had them do something different. I had them text me 15 things. The next prompt was, text me 15 things that you're thankful for. And I gotta tell you, it took them a little bit of time to, to think about, well, what are the 15, what are 15 things that I'm thankful for? So finally, the texts start rolling in. We discussed what we, what we saw. And then I said, okay, I have one more. One more game here we'll do is first person that can text me 15 things that annoy you or drive you crazy. And when, as soon as I said that, you should have seen like their eyes light up. Like they had just ideas flooding their brains. They were typing so stinking fast, you wouldn't believe it. And I got those responses way faster than I got the previous 15 responses of what they were thankful for. You see, I did this, in fact, um, specifically to make a point. Because often we allow in our lives, we, we allow our lives to focus our minds on things that annoy us or drive us crazy, right? We, we often focus our, our mental energy on things that annoy us or drive us crazy much more than we focus on what is good, right? What is good and what we're thankful for. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I certainly can too. Um, it's so easy for me to get consumed by things that annoy me and drive me crazy, especially in our world today. We don't have to look very hard for those things. And yet, there's so many things that we have to be thankful for. And let me tell you, church, I think part of our spiritual maturity and part of our spiritual journey is 
coming to an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness in our lives because of who we are in Christ. And Christians have a whole bunch more reasons to be thankful than anyone else, really. And who we are even as citizens of America. So let's go ahead and look at this psalm together because today we're going to be studying this psalm titled A Psalm of Thanksgiving. We find that God expects His children, that's those who follow Him, um, to be marked by thankfulness. The Psalms contains, as I said before, more chapters than any other book in the Bible. And it collects, it's a collection of poems, of prayers, um, of hymns, all to focus a worshiper's thoughts on God in praise and adoration with thanksgiving. In fact, one of my favorite quotes um, by um, a man named Henry Ironside, and you might know of Henry Allen Ironside. He's a Bible commentator. He was a pastor and a theologian um, and just an amazing guy. He wrote some really great things. Um, he said this, and this is on your sermon guides. It'll be point number one. He said, we would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. I'll read that again. It says, we would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. But you see, so often though, we focus on the things that make us discontent. We focus on the things that don't satisfy us. Right, that lack that satisfaction, that drive us crazy. We focus those th on those things, and therefore we lack thanksgiving. You see, but thanksgiving and praise are so connected. And in fact, um, when we focus on the things that drive us crazy, we have a hard time finding joy. I'll say that again. When we focus on things only that, that drive us crazy, when we allow ourselves to be consumed by the things in our lives that drive us crazy, we have a hard time finding joy. Now, maybe you are like me, and today you're like, I could use some more joy in my life. I want more joy. And I, I, want, I want you to leave this broadcast with more joy in your life. Gratitude makes you joyful. Gratitude breeds joy, right? The outcome of gratitude is joy. When we are grateful for the things in our lives, when we focus on things that we are grateful for and we are thankful for, we naturally become joyful people. Gratitude is all about focusing on the good in our lives and being thankful for the things that we have. Paul, in fact, tells us, though, that in the last days, there is going to be a lack of thanksgiving. Wicked people will be ungrateful. And that's found in 2 Timothy 3, 2. But thankfulness, though, shifts our focus from our own pain, right? We all have pain, our own selfishness, to a... God who is in control. Thanksgiving is, in fact, more directly focused on what God has done in the past and the experience of the one giving the thanks. In fact, Thanksgiving is an act of giving thanks, right? It's me coming up to you and saying, thank you. Um, it's the act and the experience of the one giving the thanks. Um, but praise is almost always comes from an awareness of who God is and what he has done and what he's going to do, right? In fact, like when I just think about this, Thanksgiving is directly focused on what God has done, the experience, and it's the Thanksgiving is the experience of the one giving the thanks. Just today, in fact, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, so of course a little bit before Sunday, 
um, we took all of our youth, right, that showed up, and we packed up baskets full of baked goods. A lot of, some of you guys helped bake those goods, and I appreciate that. And we drove all over Escondido to local businesses that um, we do business with on a regular basis that are at the height of their holiday season, um, right before Thanksgiving. And they're stressed out. People are shopping, last minute shopping, they're Christmas shopping, they're doing all kinds of stuff. People are not the most gracious, the most kind, the most friendly this time of year. And if you have ever worked in the service industry, you'll know that that's true. So we go out to those businesses and um, just for an, a good example, we went to one of the local pizza shops that we buy pizza for or from all of the time um, for our youth ministry. And we just gave them this basket and just said, this is from, I have the kids do this. They go up there with this basket and just say, this is from our ESCO youth, uh, Cross Connections youth ministry. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you during this busy time of the year. Uh, we love you and we appreciate what you're doing, right? This is just a basket of goodies for you. It lets you know that we're thinking of you, we're praying for you, and you would be surprised the reactions that we get just by coming in and not, you know, just by coming in and saying thank you. A genuine thank you. And here's something to show our appreciation. In fact, one of the, the ladies at that pizza shop, she breaks down in tears and she starts crying because She's so thank she she was just shocked by the fact that we would think enough to drive to her shop and just to just to give her a basket of baked goods from you. There is importance to experiencing giving thanks, to give thanks to others, even complete strangers. There is so much importance to that. This scripture here, I picked Psalm 100, of course, because it talks about Thanksgiving. And let's go ahead and walk through Psalm 100. It's five verses here. So it starts with, make a joyful noise. It says here we, we find immediately an invitation, of course, to worship God. Make a joyful noise. The psalmist is inviting us, me and you, to worship God. Make a joyful noise. Right? God will never force you to worship Him, though. God will never force you to sing a song of praise to Him. Now, the Bible does say that one day... At the return of Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that God is, that Jesus is Lord, right? To the glory of his name. But God never forces me and you to worship him. It's a choice. And a cheerful spirit is in keeping with God's nature. His acts and gratitude, which we ought to have um, for his mercy. We, we, got, we, we need to have gratitude for the mercy of God on us. Right? So praise and thanksgiving and gratitude are often interconnected. Make a joyful noise. Point number two on your service guides is this. Gratitude is an attitude of thankfulness. Gratitude is an attitude of thankfulness. Thanksgiving is often an act of thankfulness. Right? So gratitude is really something that's deeper than just the act of saying thanks. Right? Thanksgiving is an act of thankfulness often. And it's good that we go out and we say thanks in our community and it blesses people and it reminds them there's a church down the street here in Escondido that loves us. That they actually baked something for us and brought it to us with a card that just says, hey, we're thinking about you. This is a busy time of the year and I know you're stressed and I know you're dealing with difficult people. I'm sure none of us are those difficult people, right? We certainly better not be. But there's the act of thankfulness and there's the attitude of thankfulness. And there's a difference there. And I point that out because it's something for you and I to really consider that both praise and thanksgiving are woven together in everything that we do. 
In fact, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. In other translations, it might say, giving thanks to his name. Giving thanks to him. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, in fact, if you're ever here at the church in our sanctuary, the chair backs in front of you, you're going to have a little pocket that has prayer cards in it. And on the bottom of that prayer card is that very verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, which says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. See, those two things are important. Then verse 2, we come down to the psalmist says, Serve the Lord with gladness. So now we have gladness, happiness. Serve the Lord gladly. Serve the Lord with gladness. First, we're to make a joyful noise to the Lord as loyal subjects to their king. It says, that's, the, that's the picture, right? The psalmist is writing with this picture of you're making a joyful noise because your king is with you, right? Your king is with you. You're making a joyful noise because your king is with you. Um, and it's, we make a joyful noise because our Lord is with us. When we come before the Lord, we come before him with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, a joy, singing is indeed a joyful and devout exercise and should be the way in which we approach God. You see, one of my, one another commentator that I often like is I, uh, of this verse, he says that it is our privilege and duty to be happy in our religious worship. And I thought that was, that was striking to me. It's our duty to be happy in our religious worship. The religion of a true, the religion of the true God is intended to remove human misery, to make mankind happy. He whom the religion of Christ does not make happy does not understand that religion and does not make proper use of it. It's basically saying, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you're not experiencing the joy of Christ of God with us, the hope of salvation with us, the fact that we have been made new, that we are continually being made new and formed and fashioned into the image of God, the men and women that we're supposed to be, God is making us. If that doesn't bring us joy, right? If that doesn't make us happy that our God is with us, that he cares for us, that he's near to us when we're brokenhearted, he's near to us in the good and the bad, you see, I, I'm convicted, and I've been convicted um, of this, that there is no such thing as a Christian Eeyore. And, you know, we're talking about Eeyore, of course, from Winnie the Pooh. Right? Always mopey, and everything is just, it's always a rainy day, and something's always wrong, and I'm always going to be down about life. There's times to be down. There's times to, be, to mourn. There's times to weep. There's times of sadness in this, and great grief in this life. You've probably experienced many of those over the last few years. But to have an attitude of mopiness, to have, to be, you can, there is no such thing as a Christian Eeyore because we have Christ, the hope of heaven, right? We can see beyond all of the things that are happening in this world and in our lives and we can see the hope of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ, that he came down, which we're going to be celebrating here next month, that he came down here as a baby, born from a woman, Mary, and that he lived a perfect life just to sacrifice that life up on a cross to pay the penalty of my sins and your sins. That's something to be joyful. That's something to be happy about. That's something that we should be stoked about. Christians should never be mopey. and, don't, and Whenever I see Christians like that, I'm like, you obviously don't. You need to pray the psalm that just says, Lord, I believe it's in Psalm 51, renew the joy of my salvation. Renew the joy of my salvation. And if you need to pray that today, I encourage you to pray that. 
Point number three on your outline is, as we look at this next verse, come into his presence with singing. Point number three is, one of the results of being filled with the Spirit and the Word of God is singing. Yes, you heard me right, singing. One result of being filled with the Spirit and the Word of God is singing. You see, when Pastor Anthony leads us in worship, and in fact, this is one of the reasons that Cross Connection Church, we made a shift quite a while ago when we hired Pastor Anthony. We said, we're going to hire a full-time worship pastor for this church. We believe in the value that God has commanded us to worship. We believe that when we are filled with the Spirit, the natural reaction of that is going to be singing out loud to the Lord, both privately, but especially corporately. Come into his presence with singing. Here we see that there is a corporate aspect of worship. Singing is the natural response to the presence of God. Right? Singing is a natural response to the presence of God. And while there are ways to praise God, other ways to praise God, singing is the leading way of praising God. And that has been the case since the beginning. And many of the Psalms express praise in the form of song. In fact, many of these psalms in the book of Psalms were made to be sung out loud, right? With groups of people. They were made to be sang out loud. That could have been even with your family unit. That could have been with the nation. That could have been with your city. Like They were commanded to sing this out loud. So some of us have a hard time with singing. And you may have the worst voice ever. God doesn't care. I don't care. And you know what? There is nothing more powerful than a room full of people with bad voices shouting out praises to the King, shouting out praises to the Lord Almighty. There is nothing more powerful than that. And if you cannot get this, this part right, if you can't get to this point, I do, I do believe that those that can sing without shame, just praise the Lord with the people of God, there is a certain level of spiritual maturity that comes along with that of spiritual growth that comes along with that. That singing is a marker of our spiritual growth, church. Right? Singing and praising God is a marker of our spiritual growth. I used to hate worship. I'll be completely honest. As a kid, I remember we attended church every single week. Never failed. I don't think we missed a single Sunday that I can remember. My parents made that a priority. We went to church. But I can remember standing in service with my parents and afterwards driving home, and saying, asking my, my dad, Dad, why, why do we sing? Why do we sing? What's the point of singing? It's awkward. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Like, why do, I need to, why do we need to sing? Why do we have this as part of our service? Why can't we just come and hear a pastor teach and then leave? And I, don't, I don't, honestly don't remember his, his answer to that. But what I do remember is that it didn't take very long after that that as I kept reading the Bible, as I kept drawing near to the Lord, and He kept ministering to me, that eventually I, I couldn't help but to sing praises out loud. I couldn't help but to get out and stand up during a worship set and just lift my hands and say, God, this is so great. Like I, all I can do, the, the least that I can do, is sing praises to the God Almighty that saved me from my sin. So I encourage you, even if you need to get into your car, where nobody can hear you, nobody can hear you, right? God can. Find and prioritize, make time this week to praise God, to sing out loud praises to God. Whether that's, okay, I'm just going to dedicate, say, this week, I'm just going to listen to Christian worship music, right? I'm just going to listen to that and try to learn a song, try to sing along to it. But then sing it like you mean it. 
And even if that's in your car by yourself, start there. That's a great place to be. I, I can tell you what, I grew, I grew so much spiritually in those times alone in my car where I just, I would just, just cry out to God. Where you're just crying out to God, you're just speaking to him and you're praising him and you're singing these songs because you really mean it. Find that time and prioritize it in your daily life to genuinely sing praises to our God. If you don't know yet the power of praise, the power of praise that in the life of the believer, that the power of praise that releases us from the, the stresses of this life, that releases us from the pressure on you on your on your shoulders, the weight on your shoulders, that releases us from the, the snares of the devil. Right? That frees our mind to do incredibly great things, to, to think and to look up to God and to say, God, you're above all of my circumstances. You're in control. I'm not. And therefore, I can live freely. I can live happily. I can live joyfully. I can be grateful. Right? If you don't yet know the power of praise in the believer's life, try this out for a week and come back next week and tell me what you thought. Tell me how you grew. Because I guarantee you're going to have an experience. Then the psalmist continues and says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Our praise should not just be meaningless, right? Our praise should be mindful. It should be intelligent praise, meaning we aren't just singing up to nobody. We aren't just singing because we don't mean it. We're actually considering what we're saying, the words that we're singing, and we're intentionally saying them. The greatest wisdom that we can attain is to know our God. I do believe that. The greatest wisdom that you can attain is to know God that he is God, the one who made us, and that he, may, that he wants to be known by us. Charles Spurgeon said about this verse, he mentioned that it, it's questionable whether a man can really know himself until he knows his God. And I thought, man, that's powerful. It's questionable about whether can we really know ourselves until we know our Creator. Can we really know why we, were, why, why we were created, for what purpose we were created for, until we know the Creator who made us, who designed us, who said that, that Garrett, this is how you're going to be, this is where you're going to live, this is what you're going to have, this is, this is how you're going to breathe, this is how many days you have on this life, this is how many hairs are on your head, this is the color of your eyes. This is, see, God cares about the details of you. He made you. He formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. He cares about you, and we need to be worshiping Him. And I think that until we know our Creator, until we know why we were made, it's impossible for us to know who we are as men and women. Know the Lord that He is God. See, our God is Jehovah. He's Yahweh. He's Elohim. He is God in the most absolute sense. He is God alone. He is creator God. He is sustainer God. He is giver of all good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He is our great high priest and He is our great shepherd. It is He who has made us, and that is a great reason for us to worship Him. It is appropriate because we must recognize our Creator. We who live today, um, we, we have a greater, even a greater reason to praise our Creator God than the Jews that read this psalm had when it was originally penned. In Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. That is a great reason to be praising God that we are the sheep of his pasture, that there is no secret that God is, it is really no secret that God chose for himself a people, right? The Jewish people, we studied that in Deuteronomy, he chose for himself a people. And now that people are those who follow Jesus Christ. As a shepherd cares for his sheep, we have a God with a shepherd's heart that cares for us. That is something to be praise, praising him for. 
But then it says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And I can tell you what, I've read this, that verse quite a few times before in the past. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and it never really hit me, all right? It never really hit me until I was studying for this passage, that this addresses how we are to approach God, right? That the psalmist here pictures from all people from all lands, all tribes, all nations, and just go back to verse 1, it's all of these people, right, from all over the nations, all over the world, coming in, entering the presence of God with thanksgiving, thanking him for all that he's done. And this is also a picture that we find in Revelation that we know that people from all languages, all nations, all tribes, all tongues are going to be in heaven with us worshiping God in their native tongue together. That's a great picture that the gospel is supposed to get around to the entire world because everybody, God desires none to perish, but that all should be saved, that all should repent and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But you see that that also tells me when he says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates is that even for the most guilty person, if you are the most guilty person now and you're tuning in because you're feeling guilty of your past, guilty of what you've done, you have direct access to God. In fact, he invites you to enter into his presence. Right? The fact that there are gates, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, says that they are open. They're open for all. And not only that, but we are invited to enter into those open gates, into the presence of God. If you have not yet received an invitation to enter into the presence of God this morning, right now, whatever time it is that you're watching this broadcast, I encourage you, enter into those gates with thanksgiving. If you don't know God, just say, God, I don't know you. Reveal yourself to me. Help me to understand you. Help me to know you. He's a God who wants to be known by you, and that's why he invites us to enter into the gates. You see, no other gods at this time invited people, mortal people, to enter into their gates. They were completely closed off. They were gods that were selfish. They did not want us lowly mortal people to, to even bother them, right? God alone is that good God who asks us to enter into his gates. That is a reason we ought to be thankful for. It's incredible news that God himself has allowed and made a way for us to directly access him, no matter who you are or what you're guilty of, that you can enter into those gates to seek God and find forgiveness and be thankful. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. See, I think the whole argument of why we should be thankful, the whole argument of this thankfulness of this, of this passage really rests on verse 5. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Here we find three reasons that we should really be motivated to praise God for his goodness, his steadfast love, and his faithfulness. See, another word for steadfast love could really be loyal love. Um, but you see, that I, I know, we're going to find that this, this also connects us back to our studies in Deuteronomy here. But many, many psalms, if you go through the psalms, I want you to just flip through them later. Start with this hymn formula of, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His love endures forever. So many psalms begin with that because that was a fundamental understanding that the community of God, that the Jews the people of God, had of their God, that he was a good God, and that he loved them. Those were two things that no other gods at that time, or even today, had in common with our God. You see, they were always unstable, unpredictable, um, and consider any mythical God that you can think of. See, people, those people never knew when their little g God, right, might be unhappy or turn against them. But the God that we praise and thank has always been good and will forever love us. 
That's a unique feature of our God that is beyond any other God out there. No other God, no other religion has a God like that. It's completely opposite, right? It's the opposite of evil. It's the, and that's why our God is good. There is no evil in him. But you see, both good and evil are experiences in life, right? And I think um, satisfactory and happy and successful life, I think, must be ultimately influenced by good, right? That we won't find a satisfactory, inf- a satisfactory, happy, and successful life apart from God who is good. Okay, so point number four on your outlines is to speak of God as good is to affirm that the Lord of Israel is the source of all that makes life possible and worthwhile. Right? To speak of God as being good is to affirm that the Lord of Israel is the source of all that makes life possible. He's the creator God, right? He made things possible. Like Scientists are still trying to figure this out. And in fact, many scientists have come to the realization that there has to be a divine master planner into our, our universe. Like Things could not be held together if it was not for some divine master planner that created this universe and sustains it. He makes all, he's a source of all that makes life possible and worthwhile because he is good. That's, that's good news. The goodness of God is often experienced specifically in God's also deliverance of people from their distress. We see that in Deuteronomy when God delivers them from Israel and he keeps, or delivers Israel from um, their captivity from Pharaoh and the goodness of God is demonstrated in this formula and care for, and in God's first is formation and his care for his people, right? And according to Deuteronomy, as we studied this last week in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God sets before his people life and good versus death and evil, right? And he urges us to choose life, which is found in obedience to the ways of Yahweh God. The goodness of God is manifest in his loyal love and faithfulness. And I say that loyal love, specifically loyal love, not just love, because we have a skewed concept of love in, our, in the modern Western culture that, that loyal love isn't even close to. I call it loyal love because today our culture is inundated with superficial love, right? It's a circumstantial love. If you do this, I'll love you. It's a feelings-based love. Oh, I feel like I love them, but then I feel like I don't, right? It's a feelings-based love. It's even a sexual-based love. Um, None of which of these loves come even close to what kind of love that God can offer us. A steadfast love, an immovable love, a loyal love that is not based on feelings, circumstances, or behavior. Consider Ezra, for example. His journey to Jerusalem was successful because he said, the good hand of Yahweh was upon him. Um, that's Ezra 7, 9, that God cares about guiding and protecting his people. Ezra 8, 22 says, the hand of our God is for good upon all that seek him. The hand of our God is for good upon all that seek him. Our good God requires goodness from his people. He also requires gratefulness and thankfulness in all circumstances. So how do you maintain a grateful heart today? I hope that some of the things that you've heard have inspired some gratefulness, that have inspired the Spirit to, to stir up some joy in you. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. In Philippians 4, 
verses 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God, knowing that He is good. So in closing, the goodness of God is an unshakable foundation. God is good, and we can serve Him with gladness. Right? We can have an attitude of gratefulness. He reigns, this, our God reigns as divine king and the great king above all other gods, and that king is coming back to judge this world one day. And while we wait for that day where Christ returns, we can serve him with gladness and praise his name, for we are his family, the flock that he shepherds, so let us be a people that are marked by thankfulness. Would you guys all bow your heads and pray as we close? Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the source of all that makes life possible and worthwhile. I ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would sing and praise you. Father, may you help us not to focus on things that dissatisfy us or cause us discontentment, Lord. May that all be washed away as we consider what we are thankful for today. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so incredibly much to be thankful for. And Lord, I pray for anybody out there that is experiencing, Lord, tough times, that needs the joy of their salvation renewed, Lord. Anybody that out there that perhaps needs to enter into the, your gates, Lord, with thanksgiving, and they're hearing that call for the first time. Father, would you direct them to you? Would they believe in you with all of their heart, confessing their sins to you, repenting and being forgiven? Father, would your spirit lead us and guide us in the truth? May we be a light in this dark world. May we be filled with joy and a people marked by joy and gratefulness amongst all of the world, Lord. May we be known for that. So, Father, would you inspire us in that, lead us in that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. And next week, Pastor Miles will be back and we'll be starting our series in Advent, looking forward to Christmas. So we'll see you then. God bless you guys.